and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. And I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, so whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on the show from a 21st century lens. Thanks for listening. Now, on to the episode. Welcome to a bonus episode where we review the 2014 film What We Do in the Shadows by Taika Watiti and Jermaine Puppet. And this was your first time watching it? Correct. This was your the, the 20th time watching it. I really like this movie. I have it on DVD. Nice. Uh, I watched it on YouTube. Um I, I yeah, I just never never saw it, which is interesting because I'm really into kind of like that British and Commonwealth kind of humor. I like Taika Waititi stuff. Thor Ragnarok is my second favorite Marvel movie. I liked Jojo Rabbit. I've liked a bunch of the other stuff that he's done. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jemaine mm-hmm. Clement, of course, Flight of the Concords, just like very funny writer, very funny actor. Um, yeah, I like I and I, I enjoyed this. I think my overall impression of it was I think I probably would have liked it more if I had watched it 10 years ago, like yeah. when it first came out. Yeah, I I mean, the chokehold that uh, Flight of the Concords had on me when I was in high school <laughs> was is prevalent. And <laughs> it like I have such a soft spot for this movie because. I love Jermaine and like obviously Taika too. I, I just like you appreciate his work that he's put out more recently. But he, he's also so young in this movie. Like I, <laughs> yeah. I literally just last week I watched the keynote speech that he gave at like the the Hollywood Reporter Awards or whatever it was, where he was mm-hmm. talking about how how badly Hollywood has done in terms of diversity and representation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he has such confidence when he's giving that speech because he's just basically doing it off the cuff he's just like fuck it i'll wing it yeah but he has confidence about himself whereas in this movie you know and this is not a criticism this is not me saying he, he did a bad job but like he is not only chronologically much younger but also just like you can tell in terms of his acting and his confidence he is a younger a less experienced fresher <laughs> um you know film person <laughs> yeah and it actually comes out in this movie obviously because Jermaine clement has all also only been known for flight of the concords and his music at that point so i think they're both kind of helping each other launch into film and this is like such a like a an interesting film for them to do that on um uh, but i think they were we'll talk about it but i think that they pulled it off like this is a really good comedy but like mm-hmm. you said for its time like when it came out in 2014 which was just under 10 years ago it hit really hard whereas as i want to hear from you more like watching it nowadays it just probably didn't have the wow this is so original this is so unique uh kind of feeling that it did back then yeah, I think it suffers from, I don't know what the name of this is. Maybe if somebody can tell us what, what the label is for this. But like, you know how you've watched a bunch of the things that are knockoffs of the original, right? So like, 
we uh, so much has copied what we do in the shadows in various ways or if not copied what we do in the shadows like there's been a lot of other mockumentary movies since then right what we do in the shadows didn't originate that but like you know i'm kind of burnt out on that format so mm. watching it now instead of when it first came out it's like oh like i've seen other movies that maybe didn't even do this as well as what we do in the shadows and we're riffing off of it but because i've seen so many of them i'm just like oh, i'm a little tired of this <laughs> yeah and and that's totally fair because what this movie's doing is spoofing the TV shows of the time as well, right? The mockumentary of The Office, of reality shows like The Real World and and those kind of things that were just taking off at that time. Um, It's a parody, right? It's a satire of every other vampire Mm -hmm. werewolf genre that we've been, that you and I have been watching and critiquing, but also that were, you know, famous, especially particularly Twilight at the time. So it's true. Like at the time when this came out, it was like the right time for it to come out because it was the right time to start making fun of what was happening in our um, society when it came to TV and movies at the time. But now it's just like, yeah, yeah, we, we've seen it's old. It's old. But mm-hmm. I, I can assure you, Cara, when it came out, it was <laughs> fresh and funny and unique and crisp. <laughs> oh, don't worry. And I have questions for you from your vantage point of what you thought when you saw this 10 years ago. Um, But before we get there, for the benefit of anybody who hasn't watched the movie and doesn't mind spoilers, you've been warned, uh, or for anybody who just needs a refresher, I have prepared a Cara summary if you'd like to hear it. Yes. Go ahead. What We Do in the Shadows, 2014. Viago, Vladislav, Deacon, and Peter are just four bros sharing a flat in Wellington, New Zealand. Life is great. Well... Aside from Deacon's chronic inability to do his flat chores, (laughs) one night, Deacon's familiar brings two human meals around to the flat, and Peter turns one of them, Nick, decidedly not a virgin, into a creature of the night. Oh, uh, these guys are vampires, by the way. (laughs) At first, Nick's addition to the group throws off their groove, but he also brings them stew his human best friend whom the group quickly adopts and promises <laughs> never to eat it's very <laughs> cute uh when nick's overconfidence results in a vampire hunter finding them and killing peter the group expels him even though it means saying goodbye to stew things suck for a while then On the night of the annual Unholy Masquerade, everyone is reunited briefly, only for a triumphant night and climactic vampire fight to be ruined by werewolves, not swearwolves. (laughs) Everyone escapes except for Stu, who is presumed dead until he turns up at the flat his new werewolf pack in tow. The lovable jackasses learn to put aside differences and get along, all in front of a silent, though snackable, camera crew. Yes, it's a mockumentary, and you're all invited. Love it. Well done. Great write-up. I don't honestly have very many negatives to say about the movie, unlike when we do Twilight, where we're like, let's get all the good stuff over with quick and then talk about the bad stuff. It, this is not the kind of bonus episode I want to have. Um, let's just talk about the movie. And like, what's? I know you had some questions for me. Oh, I know you yeah. had some things um, you wanted to bring up. Let's start there. 
Well, I mean, if we want to talk about a negative first, <laughs> the whole depiction of Nick transforming into a vampire, oh my god, that that looked painful. And I, I have to admit that as I was watching this movie, I had the thought, Steph, and I, I hate to say it, but I'm going to have to say Twilight did something better, which is, you know, it looks like turning into a vampire in the Twilight verse is a much better experience than turning into one in what we do in the shadows. And you get to sparkle <laughs> and you get a glow up, which does not you happen here. You get a glow up. No, but it's so funny because the the, the characters act like they did get a glow up. And that's why it's so funny, right? <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure it's um, Jermaine's character. I forget his name. Um, he says... He said he was turned when he was 16, <laughs> didn't he? Yeah, but he looked a lot rougher <laughs> at 16 back then. Which is so funny. He's clearly like a 33-year-old man. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's fair, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just the transformation was like like the vomiting of blood and everything. I'm just like, oh my god, like the bleeding from his eyeballs. I'm just like, well, yeah. I don't want to be a vampire in this universe. <laughs> or he had that one scene where he's on the bed and he's um like, it looks like exorcism. Like yeah. it's like he's... <laughs> Like getting bent into it. and he's like yeah the transmission sucked <laughs> like it's what he was saying but you're right um, they they act like he starts wearing that fancy jacket that vlad thinks is cop or deacon thinks is copying him right and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I did like how they all kind of come from these different time periods so they're all yeah. they're all anachronistic they're relics but they're definitely from different time periods and i think that's so clever of them to do so so peter <laughs> Peter is clearly the Nesferatu cousin, right? Like he looks just like uh, your typical um, 1920s horror movie vampire. And his name is Peter, which is so funny. And then obviously he's like 8,000 years old. And then you have Jermaine's character, um, who is from what, the 17th century? No, he said he was like 800 years old. Something like that. Yeah. So anyway, that's the age he was. And then Taika's character is from like, the 1300s or something like that and then we have the bad boy deacon like the the, the bad boy new boy <laughs> and he's and he's like only 160 years old or something so they, they think he's like a little baby <laughs> yeah and he doesn't do his chores and you know that's how the the mockumentary starts is with them yeah. having a flat meeting and discussing doing chores and <laughs> um it, it it's it's you know the I feel bad because I feel like I'm going to ruin the joke by explaining it, right? But, like, the key of the comedy of this movie is, you know, it is the comedy of the mundane, right? It's how you have the, the supernatural creatures that are vampires, we get werewolves and zombies and witches later on. And, like, they're larger than life, but everything we see them do in the movie is just basic ass <laughs> shit. And that's what's funny, right? Yeah, yeah. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like... It, it's silly horror, right? Because there are yeah. horror, a lot of which horror is my favorite here. kind of horror. Yes. I'm not here for scary horror. I'm sorry, it's not what I like. This is why I like Buffy, is because it's silly horror. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I I've been giggling, and I'm gonna giggle through this whole uh, review because my favorite kind of humor is silly humor, and that is what Taika and uh, Jermaine. That is what they are gifted in. Like that is what. Their skill set is in creating silly comedies. And that's that's why I enjoy Jojo Rabbit, Flight of the Concords, um, Thor Ragnarok, as well as Thor Love and Thunder. I also really liked that movie. It's just silly, right? And um, the same reason why I liked Mel Brooks movies back in the day, too. It's just, oh, it's yeah. just silly. 
And the the thing that this movie does really well, in my opinion, is that it's a comedy that draws on these really old tropes. Like nothing in this movie is particularly original. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. yep. it, it, everything that they're pulling from the costumes, the characters they're spoofing, the special effects they're using, the dialogue, everything is taken from other movies from this horror genre. But in doing that, they've created something so original, right? In putting it in a mockumentary style and putting them all in this house, like all four of these tropes of vampires in one house. It's it's really delightful to watch. I completely agree. Um, you know, I'm glad that we started with the movie here as well. I know I asked in our Discord, um, prophecygirls.ca slash Discord, I asked like if we're going to do a bonus episode on what we do in the shadows, because it is often requested, do we start with the movie? Would you like us to do parts of the TV show instead? Uh, and it was pretty unanimous. People were like, no, no, watch the movie first. Um, and then, you know, we will do the TV series at some point. I don't know if we'll watch all of the TV series, but we'll certainly mm. watch some episodes and, and comment on those. And, and I'm excited to do so. Like, I liked the movie enough that, like, yeah, I'll watch the TV spinoff. And um, I'm, I'm also aware of Wellington Paranormal, which is kind of like a cop like comedy spinoff from this and I, i've heard good things about that i just never had a chance to watch it yeah i mean if, if anything it's just it's nice to have this expand my understanding of the oeuvre of, of people like taika watiti and he's just such a versatile creator as well so you know i really enjoyed like you said how they're using all of those tropes um, but I also, I enjoyed how they created those distinctive characters and you went through their personalities before. And it's it's nice, you know, not a lot happens in this movie in terms of story. No. Yeah, it's yeah, more yeah. just like, and then this happened. Um, <laughs> but it works because it is just so enjoyable. You're hanging out with them. Um, it did feel a little bit like Jackass, the vampire edition to me, because yeah. mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of physical comedy it's a lot of like dumb broy stuff. I, I think again, if I had to make a criticism of the movie, which I don't have to, it's our podcast. We can do what we want, but you know, th- there is a dearth of female characters. I think there's like two named female the characters, beast. and one of them is called the Beast. Um, <laughs> you know, and the other one's Jackie, and well, I guess and Catherine. Okay, there's three. Yeah. Um, I gen- generally prefer movies with. A healthier balance of gender genders um and, and more women and, and i as especially as i get older i find that i have less and less patience for movies that are sausage fests can we say that um yes it's a it's a very like not toxic masculinity necessarily but it just it's it's a very masculine movie and i'm not saying that that caused me not to enjoy it i still really liked it but as I was watching it, I was very aware of that fact. Well, I think that's a really excellent critique of this film and another way that we can look at it as how it might not have aged as well as we think. Just because back in the day, um, I'll, I'd call them hangout comedies right. were all the thing, right? And that's not just Taika and Jermaine. Well, it's like The Hangover. Right. It, well, yeah, I was going to say like the hangover, um, Judd Apatow's movies, right? Like mm-hmm. um, Knocked Up, The 40 Year Old Virgin, This Is the End. Like None of these things are things that I've liked. It, well, that's the thing. I was like, I really do like those comedies. And that's because I grew up with them. 
um, mm-hmm. all through my teens and 20s. But now that, you know, we're in this new time where it's time to hear a women's comedy voice, right? And like, those are very boys, boys movies and bro movies, you could say. Like, I'll, and even mm-hmm. before that, right, with um, Anchorman and stepbrothers and like that it's just men ruled comedy you just, and you it's keep, only been <laughs> keep naming movies i don't like yeah well that's what i'm saying because they're they're very I, I, masculine I prone the, I, honestly the only saving grace of this movie is the the vampire and the commonwealth humor of it if this were set in the states or if it weren't so funny and if it didn't have vampires in it this would be another anchorman movie for me in some ways yeah, but like you're saying, if you like a cast that's more diverse and balanced, mm-hmm. then of course you're not going to like those kind of movies. Uh, all I'm saying is that's the kind of comedy. Those are the kinds of stories and scripts that we're getting from male writers, right? Mm-hmm. These are comedy powerhouses from New Zealand that join together to create this movie. And I'm not surprised that there's no main female character, right? That they're only there to serve the male characters um we're talking about jackie and the beast and um catherine but at the same time um jackie kind of like has her moment in the middle of the movie because jackie is deacon's servant and jackie has been promised an immortal life if she serves deacon and apparently it's been like 10 years she's got like a family she's got kids now like her life has gone on and he's clearly just stringing her along (laughs) like he has no intention of making good on this promise yeah but like she has her moment where she kind of freaks out and she says like she's i think she's um ironing their shirts but their blouses is what she's saying and she says that it's just this big homoerotic dick biting club and i'm stuck here ironing their fucking frills (laughs) is what she said and i wrote that down so like she has her moment um meaning the script gave her this moment to share that it's all these men in this house that aren't giving her the power, right? Exactly. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I agree that the the movie is very self-aware, that it's a, a bunch of bros. And it, it also engages with that underlying homoeroticism of the vampire, where it's like, you know, it's four guys living together, and they talk <laughs> so much about how much they want to suck virgin blood. And yeah. there's that, there, you know, there's that one sequence with uh, Viago, Taika Waititi's character, where he's seduced and and about to snack on this young woman uh whom i assume is supposed to be attractive and you know he goes to bite her neck and they like they really go for it like they really show you like blood everywhere uh like you know it's it's it would be gory if it weren't so corny um and he's just like oh it's everywhere and it looks like it's all <laughs> over the walls and he, he walks out of the room and he's covered in this obviously fake blood but you know it, it's like it's making fun of his masculinity as well, his virility. And at the end of the day, these dudes don't want a woman around, right? Like they don't want Jackie around. She's right. They don't want, they want to live up their bro life and, and they think they want to snack on female virgins. But also I, I did, I liked that when Jackie was like, you know, who do you want me to bring around? It's like, you know, men, women, and Deacon's like, oh, women. And then he's like, oh, you know, maybe one of both. Like, I like that he was equal opportunity, right? It was like, you know what? I'm not yeah. too discriminating. Um, I like that Jackie, you know, brought Nick and the other person, I, I forget her name, um, around and, and neither of them were virgins. It's like, this is awkward. Um, 
but, but this is the thing right because like again like the hangout comedy the bro comedy like that is what they're embracing here and that's what all the comedies back then did but i one of the reasons why i do enjoy those films um uh, you know we could always talk about how they haven't aged well but one thing that i always found um came through from filming to the screen to the audience was how much fun everyone's having while filming but even if it is bro code even if it is you know men having fun you can tell they're having a blast filming this movie like like there's so many funny things that happen in it my favorite scene hands down is when they first um approach the werewolves (laughs) yeah i was just about to bring that up i agree with you we're werewolves not werewolves they're getting again it, it it was triggering in me my oh my god this is so masculine yes, where it's like of course no yes. women around for miles um but <laughs> like need to be. <laughs> but yeah no i agree with you like from a comedic yeah. standpoint it's a hilarious sequence and and the guy who who's the alpha of the werewolves i forget his name he's in everything as well yeah he's very talented comedian he's from the yes man he was in flight of the concords Darby. um yeah he yeah he's great and um, yeah, the, the werewolves are very cute. You know, I, I like how they keep things simple in terms of the lore of this world. You know, they don't try to go overboard. But speaking of lore, I, I hate that I'm the one bringing this up, Steph. Yeah. We have to talk about vampire pooping again. I'm sorry. Yes, we do. <laughs> so in this movie, Nick eats a fr- one French fry and yeah, he's like, crisp. you don't want to do that. He eats one French fry and then we smash cut to him vomiting up blood (laughs) for like 30 seconds like it's a lot of blood it's very gross um what sets it up though what sets up that whole joke is that nick is like having his moment where he's like i don't like being a vampire because he hasn't said it yet but you can tell he's getting disillusioned by it and then he takes the one chip he puts in his mouth and all jermaine's character says is oh you don't want to do that and then he does and they all just kind of sit there staring like oh no and then the next scene he is violently spraying blood everywhere out of his mouth it's so fucking funny well so in this i just i guess so i want to just like contrast this movie's treatment of vampire digestion with other Mm -hmm. worlds that we've explored you know so like in buffy vampires can eat they just don't enjoy the taste as much but they can eat and therefore as you have famously speculated steph they must also poop and your your question has always been how much does spike poop i guess yes um because he seems to like to eat a bit more than other vampires yeah i don't know so in this movie it appears that vampires just cannot eat human food at all they have like basically a severe nauseous reaction they can't digest it because their digestive system doesn't work um so that's kind of the other extreme and then i don't know does twilight come down on can vampires eat and therefore they can yeah, they can. It doesn't say anything about pooping, but they can. They just don't like it. Well, assuming it's, you know, Stephanie Meyer rules, they probably just don't poop. It probably just like evaporates from their bodies or something. I don't know. <laughs> probably. Yeah, they work um, it out by running. Steph- Stephanie <laughs> yeah. Meyer, everybody poops. Except running for, the forest. Except for me. Um, <laughs> her, her shit doesn't smell because it doesn't exist. Yeah, but this is, I like this lore for these vampires and where, what we do in the shadows because it, it makes sense. Like you should, like a demon like that shouldn't be able to eat human food. That's the whole point is that they drink blood. Like that's just like, that's how it goes. So the fact that his body so violently rejects 
that human aspect of his of, well of there, yeah there's vampire. a there's a sense of tragedy to this comedy right where it's <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. nick had his humanity taken from him against his consent and he he ha, you know he has to be he's a creature of the night right it's ordinary vampire rules you know gotta sleep during the day can't go out in the sun gotta drink blood and he's like i can't you know he's he's really down on it I, I like that he gets to a better place towards the end. I love Stu. I love how Stu's like just like the cool human. He's kind of the Bella of this series. Yes, Stu is the Bella of the series because everything happens around him and he kind of just goes with the flow. And he's just there. At any point, he could be like, oh, I'm in danger. I'm not going to be here anymore. But he doesn't. And the the other guys, like the fact that all the vampires like love him, partly because he's just a chill guy, but also because he's like their IT guy. <laughs> Yes. Well, so and they let him around. He teaches Viago how to do the video calling, and then Viago calls his former familiar. He's <laughs> like servant. ninety years old now, and he's like, "You promised you were going to turn me into a vampire, and then I never heard from you, and I've I wasted my life." My life. <laughs> and he's like, "Okay, bye." <laughs> Awkward. Yeah, that, like that, those little moments I liked, yeah. um, and then oh. of course Viago's whole tragedy with Catherine. And, you know, he followed uh, her yes. to New Zealand, but she found somebody else. Um, so alive, yeah. And, and but obviously, they get a happy ending because he decides. You know, he's been stalking her all these years, and he finally decides <laughs> to go in. And he, there's this wonderful shot from the window of him just like hovering over the floor as he he goes <laughs> like towards her, the apartment. Toward her. <laughs> yeah. And then we cut to he's turned her into a vampire, and they're together and. Uh, I gotta say, like, I feel like this is a a, a healthy portrayal of an age gap relationship. <laughs> yeah, because she's obviously like, was she like ninety five years old at that point, and looks it. But this is why I laugh because I'm like, people who willingly engage with vampire fiction, <laughs> and then they get upset that the vampire is dating somebody younger than them. I'm like, well, this is the alternative. <laughs> is is that if she were age appropriate even then she's not age appropriate because he's still hundreds of years older than her she's gonna look like like an old lady <laughs> like that's just the way and i think it's so endearing in this movie that he loves her no matter what you know what i mean like yeah. he's he, he he he's waited for her he probably still sees her as her younger self right like that's the the yeah. glasses he's wearing yeah and it's it's so cute at the end of the movie when they're like holding hands and he's like let them call me a cradle robber i don't care like i'm in love <laughs> and i'm like it's so cute <laughs> so yeah i think that was one of the the funnier um twists of the trope of vampire romance in, in this that they sh that they parodied in this movie but again like this movie just does such a good job of parodying everything and making everything mm -hmm. so silly like honestly why this movie like just blows my mind is because <laughs> they make it so good like i just i'm always impressed when people can make something so silly so good right and so respected like i'm like i don't think this movie has bad ratings at all i'm pretty sure it has really high ratings online and from reviewers because it's just so enjoyable right and we all recognize every single trope that they're using the age gap trope right 96 percent on rotten tomatoes so there you go there you go so like it's really easy to recognize what the movie's doing and just go go with the flow Another thing that I really love is their use of special effects because they're actually quite there there are a lot of special effects in this movie but they're so subtle as real life mockumentary should be, right? They have their bat fight. <laughs> 
which I think was really well done. And, you know, Jermaine, when he's like, bad fight. And then they have the fight in the sky when they're when they're approaching the werewolves and the werewolves um, have like their glowing eyes when they get angry and stuff. I like the very subtle little things like that, I, I think, are really enjoyable to watch in this film. No, I completely agree. I have a question for you now, Steph, and you can answer this either like as yourself now or as your younger self, or I don't know, maybe you don't have an answer for this. But, you know, there there is an element of posturing going on with these four, or I guess the three male vampires. I don't know about Peter. I, I suppose he pulls, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> he pulled Nick. Which of the which of these bros would you fuck? <laughs> well, actually, no. I let me rephrase that. Uh, kill, fuck, marry those three bros. <laughs> what about Nick and Stu? Do they don't get me in on this. <laughs> no, because obviously, if like Stu's just the ringer, like you'd marry Stu, right? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I was like, I'd pick Stu. Um, I <laughs> Stu, uh, Stu. Okay, so I would kill Deacon. I would fuck Jermaine, and I would marry Tyga. Yeah. No, I think yeah, I think that's fair. You'd have to fight Catherine for for Viago, but yeah, that'd be easy. <laughs> no, I think that's fair. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I would basically be similar to you in that. Obviously, not with the fucking, but whatever the ace equivalent is of that. <laughs> I agree with you. Like Viago's definitely marriage material. He seems malleable, you know. Yes. Um. Whereas Vlad is not, and Deacon is... He, he's the one that cares most about the house, too, right? Like, at the very beginning, well, yeah, you're saying he's, he's the, the one... Mom, yeah, you know? he's the one that's like, uh, like, uh, there, there's a spinal cord here. And, like, can we just... Can I can I bring you a broom and maybe you can clean up? Um, that That's that's husband material, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, but the mm-hmm. only point in the movie that I started losing interest a little bit was after Nick leaves and during the unholy masquerade that's fair so i have a i have a speculation a theory for at least for this the second part there of why you lost interest i don't know if you wanted to talk more about why you think you lost interest before i speculate Mm, i i'll just say that i think it's just because i grew up on the bro comedy on the hangout comedy and when the whenever it gets to that point where everyone breaks up and there's a fight i just i'm like oh it's not as fun anymore gotcha that makes sense. I think with the unholy masquerade, something that threw me off and, and might contribute to what you're feeling is it's just, there's a lot of people in that sequence. It's a very crowded scene, which is very jarring compared to what we saw in previous scenes where it's really just focused on the four or five of them. And that's harder to shoot mockumentary style. It's harder to shoot on the budget that they were working with, right? It, it's those larger crowd sequences that really that's really where the seams of a production like this start to show. And so for me, that kind of pulled me out of the movie a little bit because this unholy masquerade that's supposed to be like the event of the year compared to other parts of the movie where it's like, oh, this, you know, this this is about the right level for this movie. Um, it It was a little bit of a disappointment of a letdown in terms of just like, how the crowd is filmed and presented and, and mm-hmm. the, you know, it, it really felt like I'm going to compare it to like Superstore because I just watched that recently. Right. It's like, oh, like this is a sitcom set right now. And I'm just like, yeah. Mm. Um, and th- again, that's not a criticism. I'm not saying they did anything wrong. It's just I think it's a consequence of the style of filming, the the production values that were possible with the budget they had. 
and, and the way that that was the largest, you know, in terms of cast members and extras, that was the largest sequence in the whole movie. And everything else in the movie is dark and dingy and a couple of, mm-hmm. of characters. So it stands, it kind of stands out in that way. Yeah. 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 I didn't like the whole werewolf attack sequence and the the kind of gory like tearing of things and i don't i don't know it just if not only did it feel so unfair to stew but like i don't know i just i i just that was the part of the movie where i'm just like eh. <laughs> i think that's the most the closest they get to the horror part of the parody and then also i'm like are they trying to do like a blair witch kind of thing right like i think that there was just they're like we have to have a chase scene of some sort i would have um, liked if the film crew had spoken a bit more right and like like pushed back like if one of the vampires said something i would have loved to hear the film crew kind of talk uh, i enjoy that <laughs> in my mockumentaries but i mean i i understand that's a choice that they made um but personally i was just like oh come on like don't you want to hear okay. more about that so funny though when they approach the werewolves and they're trying to change themselves to trees and um the alpha male who who i forget the name of the actor that you just said um who's so funny and he's like see that that jeans you're all wearing jeans like those are those are gonna get ripped up like that's like i told you i sweatpants like he's like (laughs) he's like um nagging them (laughs) yeah look at that tree that's not big enough tree is it is it you're gonna snap right off that one (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, because he's like the equivalent of Viago, right? He's taking care yeah. of his pack. And it's it's cute and <laughs> sweet. And, you know, that that's the, the brilliance of the show is how they humanize these monsters. You know, it's it's very similar to what they do with Spike in season four of Buffy, where it's like they take this very dangerous creature and they use humor to undercut his killer nature and turn her into this turn him into this more relatable lovable character yeah and it also helps that they're in new zealand you know what i mean like new zealand is just like seems like such a chill place to be like in in wellington um it just seems like so chill my my other favorite scene is when the police officers come to the door <laughs> yeah and um and taika's character tries to hypnotize them but he, he said he whispers to the camera i'm not very good at hypnotism so i don't know if it's gonna take and they're all floating in the kitchen and she's like oh <gasps> Do you see that? And her partner's like, yeah, I see it. She's like, not one fire alarm. Like, not one smoke detector. (laughs) That's hilarious. I love it. And, and, you know, but also, like, those are the the chillest, best cops I've ever seen. Oh, I know. You know, it's like, that's how, uh, ideally, law enforcement should react if you go into somebody's house and they're floating, right? Like, they're they're consenting adults. there's the there's the vampire oh okay actually here's something that i wish they had done i wish that the vampire hunter that was dead on the ground in the basement was a woman i think mm. not that i wanted the woman to be dead but it would have been that would have been stephanie a nice chow Buffy. in favor of killing female <laughs> characters you heard it here first folks please drag <laughs> and us then on talking Instagram. about the body with the police officers because when the police that would have been cool to be a little call to buffy right that the the slayer is a, is a woman <laughs> but anyway um when the police see the slayer and they're like oh he's drunk and she's like well that ain't right like put a blanket on him just don't just leave him like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> so funny. yeah um i might i might have to watch wellington paranormal now because you know <laughs> i i yeah i did i did really enjoy that sequence i think that for me is probably like the biggest compliment i can give this film is for anybody who enjoys watching movies 
for the sake of watching movies, right? Like if you're really into film as a craft, if you want to learn how to make films, um, especially comedy films, if uh, you want to learn how to write comedy, I think what we do in the shadows is a very good exemplar piece. It's very easy to see how it's put together. Like again, the seams are kind of showing throughout the movie in an endearing way. You can pick it apart and you can analyze and you can say, and you can be like, oh, I see what they did there. I see how this thing connects to this thing, you know, and each part of the movie, each sequence is its own kind of set piece that they're, you know, they all connect to each other and lead into each other. But, you know, it's also like, clearly like they wrote this movie. I think I, I was reading the Wikipedia article. I think they said they wrote it over like five years or something. Um, but like <laughs> clearly like they had like the different sequences kind of they were just writing them kind of haphazardly and then they figured out how to string them all together and that shows and and that's why like is this a perfect comedy film no uh, it lacks a certain kind of polish but it is the flaws that make it so in- endearing right yeah and it's almost in a lot of ways to me um Taika Waititi, who is um, an Oscar winner now, right? He won for writing for Jojo Rabbit. Oh, he's Rabbit. so fancy. Okay. He's, well, he's way better than us now. But the <laughs> point is, is, like, this is one of his most underrated works, right? And, like, it's like you're saying, it's not polished, right? Clearly didn't have a, a huge budget. But look what you can do with really good writing. You can make really entertaining yes. movies still, right? You don't need a huge budget. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything else that you want to talk about? Um, I, th- I think we've covered most of my thoughts. I definitely would like to watch the series now. Yeah, me too. I, I'm interested in it. I, I don't know anything about the series. I don't know. Like, I know it doesn't have the exact same characters. I think they, they have different actors. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about it. I know Matt Berry's in it. He's cool. This conversation has made me want to rewatch Jojo Rabbit. <laughs> I, mean, I love that movie. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'd say I loved it. I enjoyed it when I watched it, but it's also heartbreaking. Um, it is, yeah, yeah. But it's also so funny. You've got a girlfriend, Jojo. <laughs> I, I I mean, yeah, that's a whole other conversation about how people feel about what Titi's depiction of Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> this conversation <laughs> took a turn, Steph. It did. No, I, I really enjoy I'm glad that we watched it. I'm glad that we did this now prior to starting season six aka the dark season of buffy or well i guess mm-hmm. season seven's even darker this this was a really nice light film before we go into the heaviness that is the first part of season six the next time you hear our voices we will be doing episode one of season six diving into the fun that is that season um but no I, i'm glad we did this movie i really love this movie i think it's so funny and yeah, we'll have to do that. We'll do the the show eventually as well. Absolutely. So keep those hot stakes coming for season six of Buffy. If you have any hot stakes about what we do in the shadows, the movie, save your show stakes, please feel free. Send those in as well. We can talk about those when we get them. And uh, yeah, we got some Buy Me A Coffee supporters. We will thank once we start season six, because we know not everybody listens to the bonus episodes right away. Mm-hmm. But yeah, thank you all of our Buy Me A Coffee supporters, especially our chosen ones. Lizzie, Holly, Kayla, Jordan, Julian, Nicola, Luis, Joshua, Reese, and Susanna. 
Emma, Kyle, Destiny, Erica, Allison, Jace, Haley, Tasha, Ricky, and Amy. Thanks, everybody. We will see you so soon for season six. Bye. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can't afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join us in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook prophecy underscore girls on twitter also email us at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website prophecygirls.ca where you can find the link to our discord can't wait to hear from you praise malik see you next week